This is the Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. And in this episode, we're talking to Rope Mokka, co-founder of the Nordic think tank Demos Helsinki, which consulted on the basic income trials going on right now in Finland. So a lot of the time when I first talk to someone about basic income, their initial concern is that, well, if we're giving everyone enough money to cover basic cost of livings, won't everyone leave the workforce? But if you look at the evidence, there's actually a lot that points to the exact opposite, that if we had a basic income that might actually allow former people to re-enter the workforce after having lost a job. And the reason is what some people call the welfare cliff. When you earn more than a certain amount, suddenly your benefits go away, and so there's disincentive. And now, excitingly, they, we have a country out there that's actually looking to experiment and see whether or not basic income might actually help with this. So there's a lot of exciting data that's going to come out of Finland, and Rope gets into that. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Rope Moka on the Basic Income Podcast. Welcome, Rope. Thanks for having me. So why don't you just start a little bit by telling us about uh, Demos Helsinki and how it is involved in helping to institute a basic income in Finland. Quite right. So we're an independent think tank. We're headquartered in uh, Helsinki. Uh, I'm one of the founders. Uh, there's two of us, and or there was two of us some 12 years ago. Now uh, we're over 30 people. And a couple of years ago, the, the prime minister's office came to us and asked that, you know, we are quite frustrated with the inability of the administration to really push for some like uh, innovative uh, ideas, uh, some radical ideas. And uh, they wanted to become more experimental with, uh, as, as to be able to try something such as basic income. Oh, why do you think there is the, the motivation to um, try basic income now in 2017 in Finland? Oh, it's quite simple. Uh, the Finnish government wants to get the employment figures up. Uh, so unlike a lot of the discussions about basic income, which have to do with automation and the fact that soon we're not going to have enough work, uh, the Finnish government actually wants to increase employment. So there's these kind of benefit traps uh, in the current uh, social security systems. So basically there is a kind of a basic income already in Finland. It's just very complicated. It means that once you take on, for example, a small job, you don't, you you cannot be certain uh, that your income will increase. So what they're testing is that will people actually work more because they receive basic income. So right, it's it's a little bit of an unusual situation in terms of how we usually think about basic income. Like you said, we're thinking in many other parts of the world that this will be because people won't be able to find jobs, whereas this is specifically to help people find jobs. Uh, do you think we can still use the, the Finnish experiment, the Finnish trials going on now, to make a case for the basic income in other places, given that? Absolutely. It will, it will give very interesting insights into how people uh, actually behave once they receive basic income. So this is, the Finnish government will look at a couple of things, on top of which there's other uh, research being conducted. And what one has to understand is that it's a, such a huge thing that it's not that a two-year experiment with 2,000 people, which is the scope of the, the Finnish experiment, would solve 
the whole issue of changing nature of employment and employment markets. Uh, so as such, uh, it will bring a lot of new understanding uh, in terms of seeing whether basic income actually makes people work less or work more, whether it actually motivates them to be more active in the society or less active. That's something that we will get uh, most certainly from uh, the Finnish experiment. Uh, another thing that we will get from the Finnish experiment is that what's the impact of basic income on the long-term employed? So because that's a specific uh, focus group uh, of the experiment. And uh, third thing uh, that I think is the most important thing we will get from that is that how does the government, uh, how, what are the different ways in which the government can scale basic income? Uh, because it's, it's quite uh, a jump going from an experiment into uh, doing something as radical as uh, proposing something universal. Uh, we haven't done that in politics for quite a long time. So there's an interesting kind of policy process thing that can be learned as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and say a little bit more about that. How do you see, you know, if this is the first domino, uh, what, what happens next, hopefully? Yeah, um, I'm quite sure uh, that there's going to be a couple of different kinds of experiments to be uh, to be needed. So one has to understand that uh, now what's happening is an experiment. And it's an experiment that doesn't have like uh, plus or minus. Uh, it, it's not a binary experiment, is what mm -hmm. I mean. It's, it's more of an experiment where we learn about uh, the changing nature of, of how people could receive uh, their uh, their welfare payments and how that might motivate them to operate differently. Uh, and then uh, it, it will take a lot more experiments to get, to get it done. I think the next one, I'm quite sure, uh, will be focusing on young people and students. So and how um, and so how uh, does giving uh, the students an equal amount of welfare compared compared to uh, the rest of the folks, because now they get a lot less. Do, would that motivate them to study, study quicker, uh, be more entrepreneurial, uh, take on jobs while they study, take on more jobs or less jobs, or all the all these types of types of questions? That's certainly one that I know uh, that will almost certainly be done. Uh, and another one uh, that that is in in cards or in, uh, in 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 the sort of like drawing table is is a local one where you would give, let's say, a village uh, universal basic income and see what happens. Because that's when the really interesting stuff starts emerging. You start seeing uh, dynamic um, consequences uh, of basic income. So if you have like three people who are on basic income, what would they decide to do together? I think that's the most interesting thing here, not just kind of giving individual atomized people and seeing how they behave. You know, people are not like that. People are more kind of collaborative and that's, and the dynamic um, consequences, I think, are super interesting here. And so it sounds like you're answering each big question one by one uh, about, you know, what, what happens when people get a basic income. Um, so beyond the, just the particular situation with, uh, unemployment benefits in Finland. Why do you think there's an appetite for this right now? I think there's a couple of things to why there's an appetite. I mean, most certainly it's automation. I mean, that's why the kind of the big wave started. I mean, one year ago, uh, Oxford University said, you know, half of the OECD jobs could be automated. And that's, of course, when people started going like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? 
And one of the ideas that was just happened to be lying around at the time was universal basic income. So if something as universal as jobs uh, kind of ceases to exist, we have to think about, okay, what are the new universals we can bring in? And universal basic income is, is definitely part of that pile. So that's number one. Uh, secondly, I think, you know, any kind of new ideas to boost the uh, economy uh, are seen to be, you know, useful, you know, helicopter, because basic income is kind of also like a helicopter money could be a boost to economy. And that's what the Finnish uh, experiment is much about. Um, and then thirdly, I think the, um, the uh, emerging uh, economies, uh, the global south, is very interesting in terms of, of, of what happens when you give basic income to people in India, in Kenya, uh, in these kinds of places where, where, where different kinds of experiments have either been conducted or, or been planned. Uh, so the whole idea that you can bring people uh, to, you can give people cash the first time. <laughs> Uh, and what does that do to economy uh, is, is, is kind of the third third biggest uh, driver. So I think it's these, these three things. It's it's kind of automation, kind of the general uh, state of, of uh, economy being in a low growth mode for uh, now and the foreseeable future, as well as the developing countries interest in kind of lifting people out of poverty. Mm-hmm. And how do you think about all this well, for you what is the sort of the, the purpose of the basic income i i i look at it very much from the automation point of view to be honest uh and uh i i have a very particular uh way of understanding basic income and it goes down to trying to reframe it not as a social policy but rather as a civic policy uh and by that i mean that it's not something that is supposed to uh, be kind of complementary to unemployment benefits or replace unemployment benefit, but it's something that is supposed to keep people active and part- active participants of the society in the sort of post-work era. Uh, and this is a, actually quite interesting if you look back to how basic income has been understood and where it's been discussed uh, historically. Thomas Paine, who is one of the founding fathers of the U.S., famously discusses the situations when U.S. runs out of land, when you cannot just give people more land, uh, what what can we then give people? Uh, and then comes up with the idea of basic income, which in in its form is probably the the first modern uh, formulation mm-hmm. of of the idea of basic income. And what's significant about that is that if you think about what is land, land isn't really income is a means of production it's 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 something you can create with it's something you can kind of work with so it's it's uh it's access to means of production rather than access to means of consumption so i have been starting to think and we've been working in demos helsinki with the idea that okay what could be the similar thing in the 21st century that you know when work isn't necessarily uh the, the way we contribute to the society you know, what then could be. So uh, our proposal is that we would start paying gradually uh, more and more parts of the basic income as access to artificial intelligence, access to uh, different uh, biotech um, analysis, uh, access to 3D printing, and these types of things, kind of like general purpose technologies, which would then enable you to 
kind of produced for yourself, for your community to sell uh, or, you know, whatever the, the way would be. And that kind of nicely links back to Thomas Paine's idea that it's kind of, you know, when land runs out, uh, you know, what's the way people can still uh, be part of the society? So now the question is not land, it's more work. So mm-hmm. when works, work runs out, uh, how do people still uh, contribute to the society? So, uh, so our proposal is that these kind of general purpose technologies that are in the hands of very few, uh, that pro- but are probably very useful in terms of how we can produce things, uh, how we can be creative, how we can participate, such as artificial intelligence or robotics or so forth. There should be a tax on, let's uh-huh. say, Google, uh-huh. on AI, so that they could give directly the AI to you uh, in, in capacity, so that they wouldn't take your personal data, for example. It's no strings attached type of thing. And I truly believe that some of the general purpose technologies, some of the emerging technologies uh, that seem to be so powerful, uh, yet in the hands of so few, that there will be regulations so that they will be shared. And I would like to see this incorporate the idea of basic income, that, okay, basic income is not just a capacity for you to consume, i.e., you know, buy things, but also, as Thomas Paine suggested, it would be a capacity to produce. So it would be access for you to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and right, we used to think of doing stuff basically as as you you get a job, <laughs> and you know that's how absolutely you, yeah. that's how you contribute. And right, if if jobs themselves are going to be fewer and far between, um, and that you know maybe has to inevitably change how we think about production. Uh, because, mm. you know, if you're not going to have a job, then, you know, you, you have to think of something to, to do with your days. And so do you think, uh, you know, if we look forward to a future where uh, there's there's widespread automation, and let's say we do have a basic income, uh, how do you think that will change people's idea of of labor and of just doing something with your time? That's a, that's a, That's a really, really big question. So how do you kind of redefine the identity part of work because now we go around uh, and we you know so what do you do you when I ask you so what do you do which is usually the kind of the second question after right. you know asking that what's your name okay. <laughs> yeah and when that ceases to be a kind of description of your profession uh, you know what what shall we answer to that what is the activity and how, how shall we um, shall, how shall we frame that? But I, I think that's going to be a really, really big shift uh, in, in terms of how we understand the relationship between production and consumption. Because uh, now it's been kind of we produce at work and then we use our free times to consume. However, how we could be more kind of productive, you know, whatever is the, the way we would desire to be productive in our free time. Uh, and how we could have the means of production also, the, you know, the best possible tools available to us, which we now have at work, you know, but we, we don't necessarily have uh, at our free time uh, is the big, uh, big question. And I'd like to kind of, you know, get more of this type of thinking around uh, the universal basic income or the basic income community start thinking that, okay, this is, that basic income is an absolutely fantastic idea. It's like it's it's about creating a new kinds of new kind of society, uh, uh, and and it, quite rightly so. But it's it's not the whole society in its you know itself. We require some other 
similar, uh, similarly bold initiatives and what they could be. So in a word, I don't have an under, uh, under, <laughs> good <laughs> answer to your question. Well, you just, know, we'll, we'll see, I guess, or I hope that we'll see. Is, you know, who, who knows how it'll really all play out. Uh, so that was actually everything that, that I was planning on asking you. I'm wondering if you have anything else you'd like to add. No, um, or yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think uh, that we have, to, we have to be really brave in terms of thinking about uh, basic income, but at the same time understand that currently, you know, some 25% of uh, the state budget in the US, in Finland, in, 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 in quite a lot of uh, Western countries goes towards social welfare. Uh, so we are talking about renewing something which is like the quarter of the state. So it's like it's and it's and it's it's money. It's something that you give directly to the people. Uh, it's it's you know it's a very specific thing in it. Uh, so so it, it's 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 scope and its scale is massive as a renewal. So we we should be you know at the same time as we're brave, we should be uh, quite humble because what we are what we're aiming for is not something that you can just do like a small experiment win and then decide that you, you want to do that or you can't just think that we can campaign around this for a year and then they'll implement it i mean this is this is in our generation's time there hasn't been any uh really any universal renewals and quite right it's absolutely right to demand for something but at the same time understand that these are things that usually take decades of course we want it to happen sooner uh but this is kind of my my uh my, my, my biggest worry is that because there's such a good, there's such a good uh, spirit now in the yeah, the basic income um, community that we 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 don't get frustrated if the thing doesn't like happen in the next two years. That's a good reminder. I, I'm pretty impatient for this stuff. I, I don't want it to happen <laughs> today. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. That was Vrope Mocha on the Basic Income Podcast. Thank you for listening. We have a special request for our listeners. We just set up a Google Voice number, and we'd love for you to call in and tell us what you would do if your income were taken care of. And we might feature some of your answers on the podcast. So the number to call is 628-400-7514. One more time, that's 628-400-7514. And some of you may have noticed that we now have a new logo. We want to give a very special thanks to Amanda Ray for designing that for us. She's designing images for the basic income movement broadly and generously volunteered her time to help us out. If you'd like to support her work, you can fund her at Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash A-M-A-N-D-A-W-R-A-Y. We also want to thank our producer, Eric Davison, and to all of you for listening. Until next time.